Thank you, thank you. Please be seated. Please be seated. So I was talking to a young guy this week. And as we were talking, the conversation turned into a very deep conversation. I was talking about that God has a dream for our life. That he will pursue us to the ends of the earth. To make sure that he will fulfill his dreams that he has for you and for me. And then his, there was a light in his eyes. And he started talking. And I was saying that sometimes we struggle in our life. There are great challenges. People don't have enough food to eat. People don't have a place to stay. They are homeless. But even then, God will pursue them in their homelessness. When they are hungry, in their poverty, God will pursue them. And he said, I am one of those. He told me that his parents made a dollar or less a day. His parents made a dollar or less a day and they worked every day so hard to make a dollar or less than a dollar. When he turned 16, there was no food to eat. There was no way to support him to even get an education. So he said, my parents were parents that earned a dollar or less. I didn't have food. I didn't have place to go to school. So they sent him off to an orphanage. So he stayed in the orphanage. And the person that ran the orphanage happened to be a Christian. And he started sharing God's story to him. And he said, no, there is no God. I don't believe in God. And he told people, no, I don't believe in God. He turned 20. Say, I don't believe in God. People had given up hope to share the gospel to him. Right around when he was 21, uh, he got a Bible. And... uh, He opened the Bible for the first time. And the Bible opened to Psalms 14. And Psalms 14 verse 1 says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Right? And he stunned. Well, Well, he gave his life to God. He decided to become a follower of Jesus Christ. So parents working every day, earning less than a dollar or a dollar, at 16, sent to an orphanage. Uh, Around 20s, he came to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. And today, he is working at Apple. God will pursue you to the ends of the earth to fulfill the dream that he has for you. See, the live Christmas series, a child is born because he has a dream for you. So do you live or do you merely exist? There is a lot of difference between living and existing. The live Christmas series is designed for us that we may find the key to an abundant life. 
And this child has a message to an abundant life. And I want to introduce you, this child, in the coming weeks up to the Christmas Eve service on December 24th. Every Sunday and the Christmas Eve, I want to introduce you, this child, that you will know him, get to know him better, that he has a plan for your life, that he has a dream for your life, that he will pursue you to the ends of the earth just as he pursued pursued this young guy from hopelessness, from darkness, from rebel, rebelling against God to a place where he is pr- trusting and praising the Lord. And you will hear his story on December 24th. You will hear him talk about his story on December 24th. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Which was lost. So what, what was lost then? Something must have been lost if he came to seek and to save what was lost. What was lost was God has a dream. His dream for humankind is to have an abundant life. We lost that life, that abundant life. And what does it look like? So he sent his son Jesus and revealed to us God's intention for our life. What is God's intention for your life, for you and I? That is to live an abundant life. God's intention from the beginning, He designed our life that we will live an abundant life. God designed us to live a very good life. A very good life. He designed your life to be a very good life. And you say, Pastor, where is this going? Uh, are you, you know, oh, this is prosperity gospel. No, I'm not going there. I'm talking about abundant life, eternal life with God in Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. Then God saw that everything he had made, and indeed it was very good. The, the life that God made for you and I, the life that he designed for us in the beginning, that was not just good. It was very good. It was very good. This very good life that God designed for you and I, He has come to seek, to save, and to restore, and to redeem it, because somebody had distorted it. Somebody had damaged it. Somebody had tried to rob and destroy that. So He came. So it was His intention from the beginning. That we will have an abundant life. Are we good on that? Yes, right? So, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. What was the word that, what were some of the words that God used when He designed our life and created us? He said, Go and be fruitful, multiply, right? Have dominion over. And I have given you. I have given you the herbs, the plants, the animals, the birds. I have given you all these things. Be fruitful. Multiply. Increase. That was the word that God used when He designed you and I. Abundance of God. So again... When Christ came, 
He said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. The same meaning, just different languages here. Well, that was lost. Right? So I called the city to come and trim our tree. Because we have a big tree and the branches get just so big it will almost cover our front lawn. So when I called and we waited for a month, and they came. So one day they came. My wife said, oh, these city guys are here. I came back from the office and there were two guys about to start the work and I said to the two gentlemen please when you cut down this branch it will fall on this Japanese books of box boxwood right make sure that you don't cut this when you clean and I showed the boxwood this is growing well and he said okay okay right I'm sitting there I'm watching they cut and they've been cleaning, doing. And I didn't go out when they were about to leave, but I went out when they have left. And all the tree that I told, the box would not to cut, they had cut it. Three of them. Right? It's like that with our kids. <laughs> Don't do this. And they will do it immediately, right? <laughs> don't you? My, I, I tell my children, don't play there. If you play there, you will get hurt. Well, after a while, the kid is quiet. And when they're quiet, you know something's wrong. <laughs> you go into the room and they're trying to hide the wounds. Right? So I said, no. When you hurt, let me know. So we called a meeting, my wife and I. And we told our children, no matter how big the mistakes are, whatever you have done, if you committed a mistake, just come to us as you are. No worries. So we had that meeting because of those incidents. Why am I telling this story? Because God told Adam and Eve, Genesis, in Genesis, in the beginning, don't eat the fruit in the middle, in the garden, the middle of you can eat the rest of the garden. Uh, if you eat that fruit, you will die. If you don't eat, you will live. There was no if or maybe there. Well, he said that to them. He left. The next time he came back, they ate already. They ate the fruit. We don't know the time span of how long did it take to eat the fruit. Actually, a rabbi was saying that it was within an hour they ate the fruit. Well, this is not in the scripture. But the rabbi said, within an hour they ate the fruit. You said, don't cut my boxwood. They cut it, you know. Don't play, you'll get hurt. They play and get hurt. It's like you tell people not, don't, to do, don't do these things and they will do it. Adam and Eve did that. That's the reason why we lost the original design of our life to be fruitful, to multiply, to have dominion, to live an abundant life. And God had to do something about it. So, what did he do? See, this is God's intervention. 
in our life. The intention was the abundant life. We lost it. Now, he has to intervene. Right? So God's design for a very good life was damaged or distorted. Or distorted. Here, this is the conversation. So when God came to the garden again, uh, then the Lord God called Adam and said to him, Where are you? Where are you? Right? This is one of the first interaction that God and Adam had after the creation. And the first question that God asked was, Where are you? And Adam said, Oh, we are hiding. We are hiding. Because we are naked and afraid. They must have done something wrong. So he said, did you eat the fruit that I told you not to eat? And he said, yeah, my wife told me to eat, right? (laughs) I've done a lot of things because of my wife. (laughs) She is not here. Now stay with me on this, right? So shame. So sin brought death, and one of the expressions is shame, right? So this is shame. He was ashamed. How was he ashamed? And with shame, I want to explain three feelings that's associated with shame. One is humility, embarrassment, and guilt, right? Okay, so... Now, um, let's look at humility. In this case, the shame brought humility because Adam thought that he could do everything. Maybe Adam and Eve, you know, they have been the boss in the garden. They name all the animals. I don't know, you know. They are the ruler, the master. And suddenly now they are hiding. And God came. And what is this here? One is weakness. The other one is greatness. It just shows when God came to the garden, even without telling, it expresses the greatness of God and the smallness of Adam and Eve. Shame brings that. Shame reveals your smallness. It's like, uh, like when you meet somebody, hey, uh, why are you so short? It's like, it's not my fault. Ask my parents, right? I mean, there's nothing to do with you. Uh, and the parents no why are you asking ask my parents you can't do anything about like your height or your look there's nothing you can unless you have a plastic surgery I guess Uh, um, even though we rebel against God like when you're asked about your stature it makes you so small it reveals your smallness because you can't increase the height you can't even add a number of hair on your head. That's what Adam and Eve was feeling right there. It reveals their smallness and the greatness of God. Shame brings those things. That God is great. In some good way, it will allow us to recognize God's greatness. The other one is embarrassment. Adam and Eve were embarrassed. Um, have you been to a place where you're not supposed to be? It's like, oops, I wasn't supposed to be here, right? Yesterday, I went to my kids' uh, science symposium, fall, fall AP class symposium yesterday, and I was sitting with a, 
gentleman there, and we were doing Jeopardy, Science Jeopardy, and I, I messed up quite, quite a few answers there. And my son was like, Dad, you're embarrassing me. You know, uh, 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 um, as I said there, I talked to the guy, so who's your kid? No, no, I just ended up being here. I was not supposed to be here, right? Some of you have gone into ladies' bathroom when you're not supposed to, and you ran out. Oops, right? Embarrassment means you are in a place where you're not supposed to be. The caution here, where are you? Uh, Rabbi Friedman uh, put it in another way, and I like it. Where is your border? Where are you? Where is your border? Was Adam in the border within God's boundary? Has he gone out of the boundary? Has he left the border? Has he done something outside the boundary that God has established? Where are you? Where is your border? Have you crossed the boundary? Have you crossed the border? And when you do, there is an embarrassment. If you're in ladies' uh, bathroom as a man, or if you're in the wrong place, you crash a wedding party. You ended up in the wrong party. And so, oh, it's embarrassment. Adam was embarrassed because he has crossed the border. Right? Where are you? And the other one is guilt. Uh, Guilt, there are two kinds here that I want to bring out. One is that uh, the court of law found you guilty, so that's guilty. The other one is guilt without you doing nothing wrong. When I was in uh, the Midwest, in, in where the garage go up and down, and you know, the, there is a straight iron that comes out. Right there, the robins made a nest. And I was thinking, okay, this, if the garage keep going up and down, uh, this nest will fall down. So I'm going to help this robin and take the nest to another place, Right? wrong move because I heard later on that if there is a human smell or touch the bird will leave the nest they will abandon the egg because the egg was blue it was beautiful I took in a safe place well the robin never came back right that is not the egg's fault or the robin's fault it was my mistake the robin did nothing wrong with that in life many of you there are some guilt that you carry in your life that is not your fault somebody might have abused you your spouse might have abused you or your friends might have abused you said something to you nasty ugly and you carry this guilt but it was not your fault somebody did wrong to you God had to come and intervene for all those things one of the way Adam had tried to cover the mistakes was, what did he do? Um, oh, fig leaf, fig. I need a fig leaf. Um, anyone? Oh, here, here. He covered the embarrassment and the guilt with a fig leaf. <laughs> it was the solution for the mistake with a fake leaf. Right? God designed an abundant life. Adam and Eve messed it up and the solution was a fake leaf. 
I picked this from our, the branch that comes over from our neighbor. I hope I'm not sinning against them. The thief does not come to accept, does not come except to steal and to kill and to, de- to destroy. And for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. God had to kill an animal and provide a tunic of skin to cover Adam and Eve. I have given you. I have come. We cannot have a human solution to our mistakes. We cannot come up with our solution to our guilt and embarrassment. We cannot replace God's solution. He still has to come in and step in, even in the garden, by covering them with tunic of skins to cover their shame and embarrassment. God still provides the solution. He is the solution. You cannot cover your shame with human achievement and the degree and the wealth, whatever you have earned. You need to cover with God's presence. So how do you strengthen your border? How do you strengthen your border? You strengthen your border by strengthening your modesty. Your privacy is in Embarrassed there. People have invaded your privacy. Your private life have become light. And the people in the world know what you have done wrong. And you want to come back to God. You strengthen the border by modesty. By guarding your private embarrassment. How do you do that? You cover with the righteousness and the holiness of God. You cover it with the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you on the cross of Calvary, my friends. You cover it with the Word of God. You cover it with prayer. You cover it coming together, fellowshipping with God's people. That's how you strengthen your modesty. That's how you strengthen your border. Are we good with that? Not with a fake life. Not with a fake life. It's not good enough. So, God's intention is to have an abundant life. Well, we messed it up. So, He intervened. He intervened. And then... Even more than that, God's incarnation for your life. He came. It's amazing what God did. God came to humankind to restore the damaged life. It happened in the beginning. Look at this. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. God's presence. God came to search for them. God came to search for Adam and Eve. The search for humankind began from the beginning itself. One of the activity after the creation is that God searching for you and I. Represented by Adam and Eve. He came in the cool of the day, walking. What does it mean when the presence of God comes? It means the reality of kingdom of God has come upon you. The presence of God is the reality of God active and present in your life. It also reflects the power of God is at work. 
when God is present. It also reflects that God will protect you because He is powerful. He will make a way to cover your shame, shame and embarrassment and guilt, just as He did by slaying the animal and covering it with tunics of skins. He will provide for you. He will provide for you. Provision comes, protection comes, the power comes with His presence. With His presence. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. The ultimate expression and incarnation of God is sending His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to us. A child is born for you and I. For you and I. That's God's incarnation. So, why all these things? Why all these things? Why all these steps? Why do God do all these things for you and I? Why is He pursuing us to the ends of the earth? For example, look at Jonah. Jonah right? This Jonah is um, he's a racist. Jonah is a racist. He is a hyper-nationalist. Okay? God told Jonah, you go to Nineveh, to these Gentiles, and go and share about God, and say, no, why would I go, Lord? These are not my people. These are Gentiles. And he said, in fact, Lord, I know that if I go, you are merciful, you are graceful, you are slow in anger, and you will save them. That was the complaint. Read chapter 3. And chapter 4, the argument that God and John, this is the reason why I never want to leave my country and go and spread the gospel. Because if I tell them, they will repent. And they repent. The city of Nineveh repent. Oh, what happened to Jonah? But God loved races too. He found him in the belly of a fish. Right? Look at Paul. Religious fanatic. Killing the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. How God searched and apprehended him on the road to Damascus. See? How God pursued Joseph, who was hated by his brothers, sold thrown into a pit, sold into a slavery, accused by his master's wife, and thrown into prison, and became the second most powerful person in Egypt. I was, I'm going to end with this story. I was with a guy gentleman yesterday he's going to get he's going to retire on December 27th and he said to me I have everything that I need I don't have to do anything anymore you're talking about money wealth he I I don't have to do anything my plan is so good that my life is really good I don't have to worry for anything uh, somebody came to him this week and wants to buy his house for $1.6 million, right? He's my neighbor uh, around the corner. Uh, but he was one of the child, six, 16 kids. He lived in a place where there were four or five houses at that time. 
farming in the Healy Mountain area. He has to walk 12 miles a day to finish third, third grade, up to the third grade. He has to walk 12 miles every day just to go to class to receive his third grade education. He came to Los Angeles by himself when he was very young. And somehow he got into a plane and ended up in San Jose. Uh, he was making 1.95 cents an hour where he was working at L.A. And when he came at San Jose, it went up to 3 $3.25 for an hour. And he bought this house near my house for $150,000 at that time. And today, he doesn't need money. Well, the story is, from four or five houses on a mountain in Mexico... Walking 12 miles each day to get an education up to the third grade. Moving to Mexico City, coming to L.A., and to San Jose, going to get retired this month and have no need in his life. I said, uh, how does this happen? And he said, every place that I went, I met the right person. There was the right person in every place. And this is God. And the next 10, 15 years that I have or more, I want to serve God. Right? When he came to San Jose, he met an American who spoke broken Spanish. He told him, I will get you a job. And he got him a landscaping job for $3.25 to this place where he owns a 1.6, close to $2 million home, retirement set, and no worries in his life. He gave glory to God. God has a dream for our lives. And he will pursue us to the ends of the earth and bring people in the right place to fulfill the design and dream that he has for us if if we are willing to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. This child that has come for us. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. The worship team will please come. And uh, those who are going to help in the communion. God cast out Adam and Eve from the garden so that they will not eat the tree, the fruit from the tree of life. But God sent the Lord Jesus Christ that if we come to Him and believe in Him, We will have eternal life. I do not want us to get confused with eternal life, abundant life, with having lots of money and wealth. 
This eternal life is living with God forever. That's what I'm talking about. And you can do that if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And you say, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to become his follower. Then that invitation is for you. Invitation to abundant life is for all of us. So when you come today, when you take the communion, there are prayer notes here with names written. Take one of this paper and you're going to pray for that person for the whole month of December. There is also a prayer request in there. It's also good if you can catch up with them to say, hey, I'm praying for you. You want to go out for a coffee or have a meal together? Do whatever. Get to know each other. I'm sure God has done some interesting pairing here. So that's what I want to... So come to the table prayerfully. This table is for everyone that loves the Lord. Everyone that loves the Lord Jesus Christ and follows Him. Ushers? Uh, oh, um, all of you are going to walk to each station to get the communion and, and the prayer. There won't be anyone sitting at the table or standing at the table. Take the cup. There is a bucket on the floor. You can put your cup there. And on the night that our Lord Jesus was going to be betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, and he said, this is my, this is my body, broken for you, broken for you and I. You do this in remembrance of me, as often as you can. We're going to remember that Christ broke his body for us. The same night when our Lord Jesus was going to be betrayed, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood. It's a new covenant for the remission of your sin. I want you to do this as often as you can and remember my death. Remember the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. That this blood covers our embarrassment, our shame, and our guilt. It is this blood that strengthens our border. The border of modesty. That we can be called the children of God. The righteousness in the presence of God. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for the body that was broken for us. Father, we thank you for sending your Son who shed his blood on the cross of Calvary, who was buried, who rose again on the third day, that if we believe in him, if we believe that he is the Son of God, that you give us an eternal life, an abundant life. As we get up now from where we are, Lord, and come to the table, help us to come with grateful heart. The immense joy of you coming to this earth, 
giving us salvation, forgiving our sins, Lord. And also help us to be prayerfully picking up that prayer slip with the name of a person and to commit ourselves to pray for that person. That when we walk out, we will not forget that for the next 31 days, we will pray for that person. Lord, prepare our heart for that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The table is open. There are tables here in the middle and the tables over there.